It's time for another episode of The Techie and the Cowboy. My name is Alistair Hunt, a.k.a. The Techie. And this is T.W. Lawrence, a.k.a. The Cowboy. And guess what? We got a great episode for you. This one is called Pleasing God versus Trusting Him. So, T.W., give a little bit of a rundown of, of your theory on Pleasing God versus Trusting Him, and then we'll roll that intro music. Well, interestingly, I have thought about it because we had chosen this as one of our topics, but I talked to several of my friends and prayer partners, you know, from church and stuff, and we got into a kind of a, a lengthy discussion about both sides of this issue. And what it amounts to is that there are some people who only try to please God or emphasize that, and some people who more trust God and don't worry about the other, but most of us aim to do both and have some kind of a balance between the two. And my one of my favorite things is to be able to find believers who I feel like are on the pleasing side and open that conversation with them. So we'll get more into that into detail after this, we kick this amazing intro. And now a few minutes with two of my friends who will soon be yours, the techie and the cowboy. All right, all right, we're back. All right, so TW, talk about it, man. You had a really, really cool uh, theory on active versus passive relationships with God. Well, it basically boils down to, you know, a simple question. Do you seek to please God or simply trust him? And uh, most of us, I would say, we desire to do both. But if you had to choose just one, which, which one would it be? And that was the gist of the conversation we were having off mic because in the pleasing of God, you have to kind of decide what is it that I should do? And one of the words I heard over and over again is that I would strive to do this or I would strive to do that. So then it kind of gets into, you know, that I'm a wordsmith. What exactly does strive mean? And I looked it up and strive means essentially struggling in opposition to. In other words, striving means I have to overcome something. So in our own world, what is it that we're trying to overcome? Well, first thing that would come to mind is we're struggling with our own sinful nature. We, we strive to break bad habits that we have, bad situations we get into, bad people we hang around, but we make an effort to do something ordinarily we wouldn't do or we choose to quit playing to our addictive side and stop doing those things that lead us to sin. And so we think that if we do that and then do the things, you know, be a servant mentality and help around the church and, and this kind of thing, that that kind of thing is pleasing to God. And therefore, that's what we should do more of. It's funny because when things intrigue me, you like whenever I see a certain person or certain person doing stuff uh, that's different than what it is that I believe or what it is that I would do, instead of getting frustrated or upset or judging them on it, I love opening up conversations with them about it, right? So like I know this lady, she did everything in the church, everything in the church. I mean, she was there literally 24-7. It seemed like she was always at the church, every committee, every group, every Sunday school class, you know, all this different stuff. And so I had the conversation with her. I was like, man, you do a lot for the church, but when was the last time that you had like a conversation with God? 
Like when was the last time that you truly, I'm not talking about whatever it is that you're, you know, feeling the spirit as a whole inside of, you know, a sermon or whenever it is that you're at an event, I'm talking about you one-on-one, uh, you know, like talking, communicating, trusting with God. And she got tears and she said, it's been a long time. Right. So here she is, she's doing everything. It's like she's doing all the different stuff. And I said, so, so where do you think that that happens? She's like, I just keep on doing more and doing more and hoping that God is happy with what it is that I'm doing, you know, and then, and then one day that that'll come back or that'll be revealed to me. So she thought that she needed to be able to do more in order to be able to get God's attention enough so she could have that relationship, but never really was actually, you know, growing in that area of trying to make her relationship stronger. She just kept on doing and doing and doing because that's what she had been taught. And that when it got down to later on the conversation, that's how it is that her mom was. That's how it is her grandma was. She grew up in the church and they just did all this stuff because they were told if they didn't do this, God would be angry at them. So in other words, we've talked about this before. There's a lot of people that think that God is this great lightning bolt in the sky that's, that's just waiting to strike them down at any moment because they're doing wrong. And that's how their parents were able to get them to do stuff was to be able to make God into this figure who's constantly going to be disappointed at them. So they feel like the more that they do, the more that they please God. Right. And, and there are, are those people also, and I have a little bit of, of this myself, is that if something bad happens or if you get a scare of some kind and like oh, you've got a malignant growth, and you thought, oh, my gosh, this could be cancer. And it turns out not to be. But between that time when you think it and you know it's not, you have that uh, conversation with God that you put off for a long time and you find yourself striving to do those things that are pleasing to God to like, please, if I do this, if I do this, if I do this, if I do this, will you let it not turn out badly? And so there are a lot of people that, that get kicked into gear when there is some kind of adversity in their life. The flips, well, expanding on that, actually, expanding on the fact of what you just said, things that we've done to be able to make things harder in our life or decisions that we've made that have caused us to be able to get into a circumstance or get into a corner, we tend to be able to say, why would God allow this to happen to me? Knowing that the way that you ate, the way that you treated your body, caused the health issues that you had that caused you to be in this situation. Remember, God gives us the ability to have free will. You say, well, if I'm such a good person and if I'm going to church, if I'm doing all these good things, why would God allow this thing to happen to good people? Even though if we were to trace it back, 90% of the situations that we're in were based on a series of decisions that God gave us the free will to be able to have, decisions that we actually made that got us to those situations. It may be way back in, in our lives that we made these decisions or these things that happened to us that had nothing to do with God. Now, here's the beautiful thing. God has the ability to be able to give us the tools and be able to give us the opportunities to open the doors for us to be able to get out of these situations. That person that comes into your life that's willing to be able to get you healthy, that uh, opportunity that you had to be able to have a discount or a free membership to the gym that we choose not to take and we don't see that as God showing up in our lives. But as soon as it is, like you said, TW, we get back to that corner. We want God to be able to come save us at that point. Right. To, to put a kind of a, a current perspective on it. You know that uh, Fran and I watch a lot of uh, crime TV you know, as a, our recreation, particularly British detective show kind of things. And like we were watching one just the other day. And I said to Fran, I'll say it again. 
if there were no adultery committed in Britain, there would be no murder because every one of these things <laughs> is because somebody cheated on a spouse or somebody else, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. It's just kind of like, if you just did what you're supposed to do, there wouldn't be any problems. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that that would make put you in better stead with God, but it's just the right thing to do. So if you have a habit of doing that in all aspects of your life, then the striving to please God, you've made that much more progress on it without thinking about it, without doing uh, much more extra effort, as you said. But if it was that easy to be able to just do the right thing, we would all not be sinners. We would all just do the right thing, right? It's the temptation aspect of it. And the enemy knowing exactly how it is to be able to tempt us and us uh, giving into that temptation that makes it where it is that just doing the right thing is just easy. And that's where it is that, and this is, you know, this is a hot spot for me, uh, the judgmental believers, the judgmental Christians, the ones that are Bible thumpers and that want to be able to pass judgment on everybody else really, really rub me the wrong way. Because A, we all have sinned and we all have our cross to bear. We all have that one thing in our life, whether it's out in the public or it's in secret, that is that we are constantly working on that. That's our struggle to be able to do right or do correctly, correct? And so, but it's easy for people to be able to judge others on something they feel like they've gotten right and ignore all the stuff in their lives that, that is uh, absolutely wrong and that God would not be happy with, right? So that's why it is that I take this whole pers per perspective in life, and we've talked about this TW before, where it is that it's between you and God. Like my job is to be able to give, use the tools and use the gifts that God has given me to be able to help this world be a better place and to help people to become better and to grow as both believers and just as individual people in general. But my job is only to be able to give you the tools. My job is not to judge you. And my job is not to try and force you to be able to do what I think is right. Because it's all just my interpretation of what God says anyways. All of the people out there that claim to be experts, all of the pastors and everything else is all their interpretation of what the Bible says. So who am I to be able to judge you based on my interpretation? Because nobody know, knows exactly what God wants beside God, right? Right. Uh, two things. One, it was Jesus who, who said to the crowd, you know, he is without sin, cast the first stone. And then, of course, nobody did. You know, <laughs> knowing that, I don't even take the effort to bend over to pick up a rock. You know, I'm not even there. So it's not, I'm not going to lay my judgments, my values on it. As a matter of fact, I was so moved by that sentiment that I had one of the characters in one of my stories say as actually a eulogy to this other character, what you've done or what you ain't, that's between you and God Almighty. I got trouble enough looking after my own troubled soul. And basically, that's the way I live my life. It's kind of like, I'll do what I have to do. I will try to encourage you. But what you're doing, that's between you and God, not between you, me, and God. And it doesn't mean that I, there's moments where it is, I don't feel like it is that I'm judging somebody else. But what I've learned to do to be able to help thwart that is to be able to turn the mirror on myself. The minute that I start being judgment of what it is I think somebody else is doing, how does they think that they're parroting, how does I think that they're acting, what it is I think that they're doing with their lives, then I turn the mirror on myself and say, okay, so what is it that I need to be able to work on? Because that I can control. I can't control what they're doing. I can't control what it is, that, and I have no clue most of the time what their circumstances are. Even if I know them, I don't know what it is that they've been through and what their circumstances are that got them to that point. 
So who am I to be able to make that judgment when I got plenty of stuff, believe me, plenty of stuff that I need to work on myself. So let me focus on that. Let me focus on my house. Let me focus on making sure that my kids are doing what they need to be able to do and that I'm giving them the tools that it needs to do. Let me make sure that I am strengthening my relationship with God and focus on me and not be so much focused on what other people are doing and how it is that they're not going to get to heaven based on what they're doing, which is just ridiculous or how it is that they're going to uh you know fall into a fiery pit because of what it is they're gonna do right i just focus on me and the things that i can control and the things that god has given me as my responsibility okay i I just have one might be a little bit facetious question does that not judge judging other people count when you're driving and other drivers are acting out can i honk the horn can i yell at them (laughs) you know i used to have a really bad problem with road rage and i realized that my driving is probably not the best either there's probably some other people that are just as frustrated at me so again turning the bear around (laughs) saying (laughs) as mad as i am about whatever else i know that there's sometimes whatever it is that i've accidentally yielded a little bit too sharply in front of somebody and it probably made them upset. So I'm like, okay, if I could do it and they could do it and it wasn't intentional, then just calm down. Plus here's the other thing. There's the other thing around road rage for me. They're going to go on about their merry way. Like you're all upset and you're all riled up and they're just like, oh, he's just a jerk and they keep on going and then, then they've gone on about their day while you're all riled up about it and now you change your whole state and everything else like that. Once I realized that they probably not don't care about what it is that I feel or me beeping the horn anyways, then I was like, I'll just save that energy for something else. So yeah, I guess I guess you get a little bit of leeway there at CW. Just, just turn the mirror around. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, so now we're going to move on to... to you know, increasing your relationship with God, because I think that's the next level. We like to come up with suggestions on things that you can do in order to be able to uh, strengthen your relationship with God and to be able to grow in your faith and your belief, right? And so I think that increasing your relationship with God is a great way for you to be able to move out of the whole pleasing mindset where I have to please God and into the trusting mindset where it is that I'm trusting that as long as it is that I'm having this relationship with you, I'm listening for the spirit to be able to guide me. I'm doing the outlines of things that I know are right as laid out for me in the scripture, as laid out for me in the verses, which he left for us as a guide of what to do according to his will, then I trust that God will guide me to do exactly what it is that he has me on this earth for. Yes. And as you and I have talked before, one of the things I have convinced myself of and and strongly believe is that just as each one of us has our own individual DNA, you and I are different. We had different parents, different ancestors, even my sister, my cousin, even though we're close, we have literally different DNA. If that is true, and if that is what God gave each one of us, then it stands to reason that our relationship with God is therefore unique to God and to me. The relationship that you have with God is not the same as I have. It can be very similar, but it is not the same as It's not saying yours is better or mine is better. What I'm saying is we both have our own particular relationship with God, and we should pursue it so that we know and feel more comfortable what that relationship is, because that's where the rest 
and comfort in God comes from knowing that. And because of that, then that should actually excite me. That should actually excite you to, to know that your relationship with God is unique. I'm gonna say that again. That should actually excite you to know that your relationship with God is unique and that you can develop that and you can grow that in a unique way. One of the things that I love about just in knowing UTW and then also over the process of this podcast and as it is that we've done this, these episodes and everything else, is watching your relationship with God grow. Because back in the, one of the first podcast episodes, you, you talked about how it is that your relationship uh, with God as you were younger is totally different than it is now, right? And, and so just being even just the smallest, teeniest part of that and watching you grow, but not only that, your willingness to be vulnerable, you know, on these podcasts and with others is just amazing and a beautiful thing. So talk about that. Just touch on it real quick about, you know, where it is that you were at before versus where it is that you're at now with your, your relationship with God. Well, I grew up uh, in the household of a man, my father, who was a lieutenant colonel in the army during World War II tough time. He'd grown up through the depression. Both his parents had died when he was quite young. And so he was a product of all that. No nonsense. He was into the military hierarchy. He believed in rank and organization and treated me with respect, with love, as best he could show it. But it was somewhat formal. And I was treated well, at best, like a non-commissioned officer or a junior <laughs> in the junior officer ranks. And so I viewed God as the <clears throat> um, uh, commander of the chief of staff. Uh, you know, so he was he was the supreme commander, you know, and he was he was in charge of all the thunderbolts, but he was that way. It was very formal. And then going to the school as I did, and you can imagine that the head of our school, the principal of our school, was both a, um, he was a colonel, full colonel, in the Army Reserves, and he was an Episcopal priest, wore white collar, but we addressed him as Colonel Jacobson, which was, hmm. so once again, my relationship with a male figure who was above me was very formal. And so I tended to view God in that way. Me having the conversation like you were talking about, Alec having the conversation would have never entered my mind. No, it was just, yes, sir, what do you want me to do? You know, follow orders. How can I please you? You know, stay within with these parameters. You know, rest in his love. Did we rest in the love of any of the ranking officers and organizations I was within? No, we trusted them to get us to our objective, we trusted us to take care of us, you know, at least in a minimal way, but beyond that, not so much. And it, as I've gotten older and gotten away from those formal organizations, I've had the relative freedom to explore just what you say is to have that personal relationship and to <clears throat> some things have gone in, on in my life, uh, some of which, you know, it's kind of like, you know, God, why, why did you save me from that situation? What is it that you want me to do? Pursuing the answer to that question has led me to a closer relationship as I define, look at the doors that he opens, at the directions that he's sending me, the people he's put in my life and that kind of thing, and to take it and, and go from there. Something I wouldn't have done 
had I stayed in the service. And that leads to a good point is that sometimes whenever it is that we're having this relationship with God and we're looking for him to be able to speak back with us, we're expecting this big thunderous booming voice to be able to come down or we're expecting in our prayers to have visions like that you see in the Bible. But like you said, sometimes it just shows up in the way it is that he shows up in our lives, the doors that are open, the people that we meet, the relationships that we make, uh, you know, the fulfillment that we get through our day-to-day life as some as the way that I believe that he speaks to us a lot of the time. You had mentioned Alec, and because we were off screen, I want to pe- fill people in because I think it's just amazing. So Alec is my son, my 11-year-old son, and uh, we do our prayers every single night. And it's just amazing to hear, because we've been doing this since he was as far as long back as I can remember. But just listening to the way it is that we pray and hearing him to be able to pray in that conversational matter where he's actually just talking to God as if he's, you know, a friend or a close friend or whatever else. uh, It's just it's mind blowing to me because like you, T.W., I well, I actually grew up in the church and I actually had that, uh, you know, in the church 24 (laughs) seven type of relationship where we were involved with a lot of things in the church, but I still didn't have that personal one-on-one relationship with God until it is I got into college. So to see him to be able to do that at such a young age is, is just amazing to me. That's why it is when we were talking earlier, I got almost a little emotional because it's just amazing to be able to see that. So I feel like it is that that is God's sign for me, at last night hearing him pray was God's sign for me that I'm doing okay as a parent, right? That I'm doing the right thing as a parent. Because half of what we do as parents, and I say this all the time, is just guessing anyways, right? We're guessing based on what was done to us by our parents. So we're guessing based on what we've heard, what we've learned, and what we think is right. But it's all guesswork. There's no, there's no parent rule book that tells you exactly what's gonna be a perfect parent. The people who write those quote unquote rule books, they got issues with their own kids. <laughs> So, I mean, it's all guesswork anyways, but little signs like that, um, I believe God gives you to be able to let you know that you're going the right direction and you're doing the right thing. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yes. All right. Any final thoughts before it is that we close this thing out, TW? uh, No, I would would say just if you have the choice, consider both equally, but know that there is fulfillment and rest in the trust and there is no harm in striving to make yourself a better person. And I would close by saying God is love. Um, God will always love you. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, here to be able to save all of us, to be able to forgive your sins. So accepting Jesus Christ as your savior is the answer. That's it. And then knowing that he will always love you and that there's nothing that you can do to stop him from loving you. Doesn't mean that he may be displeased if you make some bad decisions, but he'll always be there for you. And he will always love you. So striving to be able to please him in order to get him to love you more does not exist. So just trust in the fact that he's there with you and always strive to be able to get stronger when your relationship with him. I think you'll, you'll figure it all out as, as we all are, right? So with that being said, my name is Alistair Hunt, a.k.a. The Techie. And this is T.W. Lawrence, a.k.a. The Cowboy. And you know what time it is. Time to drop that outro. Let's go. That's it for this episode. Join us again next time for The Techie and the Cowboy. Hit us up on our website, thetechieandthecowboy.com. Let us know what y'all think. 